Good evening. My name is Jerry Geller, and I will be your moderator for today's class. Welcome to the Oceanside class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Oceanside branch was established in 1994. At this time, I would like to introduce you to our Dean, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and our president, Dr. Carl Emler. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin languages have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible, inscrutable, and indiscernible. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself 
as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being, that is, having shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that nothing escapes the pattern. The 10 primary aims of, of the Institute are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man must be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of a mortal glorification in a newer state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this evening with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller. We'll have a scripture lesson, which will be Ephesians, the third chapter. Thank you, Jerry. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. Let us all bow our hearts and our minds in a moment of prayer.
let us thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, who has been so gracious and been so loving towards us that he has picked us out of the world and chosen us to be recipients of this great gospel. We want to thank you, Yahweh, for coming down your own self, manifesting yourself, dying for us, shedding your blood for us, and giving us such a great opportunity of laying hold on eternal life and immortal glorification in Yahshua the Messiah. We thank you for the many blessings. We ask that you give us the proper attitude and the proper disposition. And we just ask you to continue to show us yourself and reveal yourself unto us and make us more conscious of you at all times through Yahshua the Messiah. And these things we ask you for and thank you for in the name of Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 We'll be reading Ephesians, the third chapter tonight from the Holy Name Bible, critically compared with ancient authorities, revised by A.B. Trina of the Scripture Research Associate association in College Park, Maryland, Ephesians, the third chapter. For this cause, I saw the prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah for you of the Gentiles. If ye have heard of the ministry of the grace of Yahweh, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of the Messiah, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in the Messiah by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of Yahweh given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all sons, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of the Messiah, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages hath been hid in Yahweh, who created all things by Yahshua the Messiah, to the intent that now, through the administering powers in heavenly places, might be known by the assembly the manifold wisdom of Yahweh, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the sons what is the breadth and length and depth and height, 
and to know the love of the Messiah, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of Yahweh. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the assembly by the Messiah Yahshua throughout all generations and all ages. There will be a three speaker um, format tonight. Our scripture leaders tonight will be Dr. Sharon Welsh from the Syracuse class and Dr. Gail Josephson from the Green Bay class. Our first speaker this evening will be Dr. Paul Dean from the Arcport class. Dr. Dean. Hello, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. I'm new to the Zoom thing. It's my first time visiting Oceanside and I'm just very honored to be able to I'm uh, just very happy and glad to be uh, able to give a testimony concerning the things that Yahweh has shown me. Um, it's always amazed me since, I think I'll just start with a brief testimony. When I first was told about class, I can remember uh, coming home from work one day thinking about that name of Yahweh and the name of Yahshua. And my thought was, does it really, what's it really matter what I call my heavenly father? And I, I was uh, three houses up from my home, and I was walking to my uh, young lad. He was on a tricycle. And as I walked by the boy, he said, uh, I said, hello. He says, hello. And the little boy said, do you know my father? And I looked at him. I said, yeah, I know your father. And I know who he was because he used to live three houses up from my mom and where I live. And he said, do you know my father's name? And I said, no, no, I don't know your father's name. And he said, you don't know my father if you don't know his name. And I was just, had to stop in my tracks because I was educated um, by a three-year-old boy, which I know was Joshua, the Holy Spirit, making a simple point. And to come into class and to think that we can actually understand something about Yahweh. And as the scripture meant, um, scripture said, the love of the Messiah. I've never uh, felt worthy to, to deserve any kind of little simple understanding that I've had. And I don't think anybody that's uh, listening right now probably feels the same way I can recall at one time also uh, after uh, being in class for some time and being out of class for a little while, uh, I can remember speaking with, saw one of the brethren on the street and she said, are you going to come back to class? And I was honest with her. I said, you know, I'm not back. And, and she looked at me, she goes, none of us are. And it was just another one of those moments that just amazed me. You know, I love the way the school starts. The moderation expresses this magnificent vision and revelation and simplicity. And it mentions school five times in the moderation and being able to do the moderation myself, I uh, especially enjoy 
those particular parts. I mean, it's, 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 it's quite astonishing when you think about it, that you can spend two hours on one sentence in that moderation. But I want to just pick up the five times that it mentions school. And if I happen to lose the connection because it's not so stable here, then I'll join you all online. Is everybody still, am I still coming through okay currently? Yes. Okay, thank you. So this starts out with the moderation. It says, welcome. Uh, and it said, this is a school and not a church. And being born and raised a Catholic uh, for 20 years, being an altar boy, uh, shoveling the snow uh, for the church, working for the church. Uh, I always thought I was doing uh, uh, God's will by uh, helping out with that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until I came into the class that I really began to understand more about the church that I was in than uh, when I was in it. I actually understood more. Uh, because uh, it, it made me ask questions. It made me ask questions, and I'll never forget, after being in class for a year or two, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, my mother was questioning some things, and I said, well, tell you what, Mom, why don't we go down and speak with the priest about this? And she goes, okay, uh, I'll go to church with you, and then we'll just stop and talk to him afterwards. And so... Afterwards, uh, she decided not to, but I decided I still would. And I went back and he made me an appointment to come see him. And I had attended class for some time and there was a number of things that were discussed. But the one thing that really stands out was when it comes to the biblical history or the events that took place in the Bible, he had uh, said to me, there's really no way you can know that those actually occurred. And also, as he escorted me out the door and patted me on the back, he said, you can, Paul, you cannot know God. And it was too late. It was too late. I had already attended class. Yahweh had already shown me his magnificent name. He showed me how the biblical creation is in complete harmony with the physical creation, how he's operating all things by a pattern. And I'm forever thankful that uh, that I was invited into the school and been able to remain um, in his body. I'm just forever grateful for that. So as far as being a school, we come to a school to learn. And the one good thing about a school is when you go to a school, you would expect to hear from a teacher. And if you wouldn't mind grabbing me John 14, 26, if you would, please. John 14 and 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, mm -hmm. he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Wow. The comforter, which is the Holy who the which is the Holy Spirit, which the Father shall send in my name. I never knew after uh, uh, making the sign of the cross all those years, saying in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, never questioned once, what is the name of the Father? 
What is the name of the Son and what is the name of the Holy Spirit? If you stick around the school long enough, you're going to find out that, that as is mentioned in the moderation, the name of the Holy Spirit is Yahshua. And what a magnificent teacher we have in this school. From coast to coast, search high and low, you'll never find a better teacher than the teacher that is in the school. And it's just, it just still amazes me to this day. So anyway, that was just one simple point that I was trying to make, that this is a school. Now, the second part that it says, this school was a result of a divine vision and revelation mm -hmm. given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley. I never knew that Yahweh always communicated in vision and revelation. I never understood that. And if you could kindly just maybe grab me a couple of scriptures just to back that up. Um, I think where there is no prophetic vision, people perish. And if, uh, if there be a prophet among you. That's Proverbs 28 and 19. Thank you. And Numbers 13 and 6. Thank you. Proverbs 29, 18. Yep. Proverbs 29, 18. Where Thank there you. is no vision, the people perish. Yeah. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And they even call that a parish. It's a church. We don't want to <laughs> perish. Okay. Go ahead with the second. Numbers 12, Numbers 12 and 6. Yeah. Okay. Numbers 12 and 6. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, Yahweh, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. Okay. And as you look at the, the, the your screen on your laptop or your TV currently, those particular four charts that are up there, the Moses chart being on um, the upper left side, you know, I'm just so grateful that I can understand one thing off each and every single one of these charts, just forever grateful. But, you know, it's a user. These are user friendly charts that have been given to us through this divine vision and revelation that Dr. Kinley had. And, you know, I never knew Moses was invited on top of Mount Sinai. And that Yahweh gave him a vision, and you'll see up in the upper corner, it says 1490 BY. It was some 3,500 years ago that Yahweh communicated to Moses, appeared to him, and he told him to make sure, and we'll get into that in a little bit later, but he told him, he gave him a pattern, he instructed to build that tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai, and he said, you make it just the way I showed you. You see John, AD 96, over on the right side, he's on the Isle of Patmos. Yahweh declares the ending from the beginning. You're going to find that out when you stick around in the school long enough. Moses was the first one to write. He authored five books. John was the last to write. He authored five books. Moses was on top of a mountain. The Isle of Patmos, that's an island. What's that, a mountain in the sea? He's on top of a mountain. You see, Yahweh's declaring from the endings from the beginning. And Dr. Kinley himself said he was in the, the, the entire purpose of Yahweh unfolded like a giant Japanese fan. 
And after he had that vision, he was asked, what will you do with that which you have seen? And he didn't know how to answer. And it wasn't until the revelation of what he had seen that he was able to answer and said, teach your people your will, Yahshua. You and each and every single one of us are blessed enough to be sons of Yahweh and to know that we are, uh, teach your people your will. It's, an, it's such a such magnificent love to come to understand that he has a people and that he loves his bride. You know, there's so much, so many things in about it. But the simple point that I just wanted to make was the things that Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley seen were in complete harmony with what Moses had written, with what John had written, and what all the prophets had written on down through the scriptures. And it's just beautiful if you stick around the school long enough and are able to watch that and see that and, and, and watch Yahweh walk down through the dispensations and ages. If you could just jump over to the, another chart that was on that big screen uh, about the, but the dispensations and ages chart. We're still, uh, uh, the, the signal's still good enough for everybody. My voice isn't cutting out. You're fine. Thank you. You know, uh, I love how people say, if you can count to three, you can understand the purpose of Yahweh. When you look at this uh, dispensations and ages chart, as far as uh, you look at the second age there, the third age and the fourth age, that's three ages in time. Second age being the first age in time, third age being the second in the present kingdom age that we're in right now being the third. So when you look at that cross there in the middle, you back it up some 1500 years. That's about the time when Moses was called on top of that mount. That was the time around when Yahweh gave that great name to Moses. And so um, that's just a little bit of that. And, 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 uh, and, and I'll, I'm sure I'll be coming back to that. But I think what I want to do now is just jump over to the third part of the moderation that says, in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word, or Son, and the Holy Spirit. Could you pull up the names chart, if you would be so kind? Once again, it says, in, uh, in this school, we use the true name of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit as they are contained in the original Hebrew text. And you're going to find out, it's out there in Exodus, the third chapter, that when Moses was called the top mountain, or when uh, the children of before, Moses was tending sheep in the wilderness of Sinai. That was, I'm sorry, I had to go to the names chart, and I only got to just jump back over to the Moses, because I just want to make a simple point here, and then, then we'll come back over to the names. But when Moses was there in the mount, could you pick me up where he saw the bush burning and not being consumed, and where it says, uh, take the shoes off your feet for that which you stand as holy ground? Mm -hmm. um, Exodus uh -huh. 3. I'll start at two in Exodus. This is, yep, and this is where Yahweh gave this to man. I had a Jerusalem Bible that my mother gave me, 
It had the name of Yahweh through it. I never understood the name of Yahweh till I came to class. When I read that Yahweh, I didn't even know that was, that was Yahweh's name. That was the time that he gave it. And prior to the time of him giving it to the Moses, there's a verse that talks about uh, that he was not known. And if you could, matter of fact, grab that real quick, and then we'll go over to that where you stand as, as uh, holy ground, if you would, please. Okay. Exodus 6 and 30. Thank you. Uh-huh. Exodus 6 and 3. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of El Shaddai, but by my name Yahweh was I not known to them. Mm -hmm. By the name El Shaddai, which means almighty provider, but by my name, my name Yahweh was I not known to them. Okay, so you have Moses. Go ahead and pick up this scripture here where Moses. In Exodus 3 and 2. And the Thank angel, you. sure. And the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he yep. looked, and and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Okay. And Moses and said, "Go ahead. And, is this? I'm sorry. I, I'm mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt, but is this where it's picking up? Where it does say, take the shoes off your." Yep, that's See. in five. I can read that. And he said... Okay, well, no, if, if you're okay. leading to it, go, if you're leading to it, go ahead. Continue. Sure. I'm sorry. Okay. And three. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when, when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, he called unto him, Yahweh Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said... Here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Thank you very much. And I just want to make a simple point here. And then hopefully before I uh, end, um, Yahshua willing, uh, will make the uh, final point about it. But when you look at that uh, chart in front of you, you see Egypt is depicted as the outer court wilderness sinai you see is the holy place and canaan's land being the most holy place and that's going according to the tabernacle pattern okay so as moses i just want to make the simple point he is standing in the holy place he's standing in the holy place when yahweh gives him that name okay or that name being given in the holy place okay so and if you look over, I'll make a uh, simple point here, too. Go ahead and jump back over to that dispensations and ages chart, if you would, please. We had mentioned um, that that was approximately 1,500 years before the uh, birth of our Savior. And um, it was given in the second age. If you're likened to the, the first age in time being the court roundabout, second age in time being the holy place and the third age in time being the present kingdom age or the most holy place. This is in the time of the holy place where the name was given. And if you go over to the body tabernacle, because the beautiful thing about it is the creator of heaven and earth also created each and every single one of us is a living witness. 
And we are a living witness to that magnificent name. And you're going to find out in this school that you breathe that name. And just as that uh, Moses was in a holy place and he was seeing a burning bush, a bush that was being burned but not consumed, there's oxidation taking place in your lungs, which are located in your holy place. There's the burning in the bronchial tree. And there's oxidation taking place there. But that's where you're going to find out the Y, H, and W, that tetragrammaton, those four consonants. That's the, uh, there's, uh, those are glides or breath sounds. You breathe that magnificent name of Yahweh, and that's revealed in the holy place of you, another witness. And when you look at the tabernacle itself, there was that altar of incense where that mitre was kept and it said, holiness unto Yahweh, four main ingredients. There was a burning taking place at that, mm -hmm. um, at that altar also. So I'm just trying to just point out a simple, a few simple points to see. Hopefully you see that the biblical uh, uh, creation, the physical creation are, are in harmony because so many times we walk through life and we, 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 we uh, are amongst all this division in the world and we see so many divided, even the scientists being divided uh, uh, against the religion, you know, about religious. But you know what? Science and the Bible in, are in complete harmony, the creation and the Bible, because it's all one author. Because so it's the author and he's the finisher. He's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning, he's the ending, you see. Okay. But we use those true, correct, and another's name. So if you could go back to John, uh, if you could go to John, the first chapter, and I just want to make a simple point about this name. I want to pick it up in John 118 where uh, if you could read it in the King James, where it says, oh man, seeing God in time. And then I want you to go back and say where Moses and uh, they seen the God of Israel. If you could just pick it up and just read it from a King James version, if you would. So I just want to make a simple point of how important it is to use the true, correct, and original name, you see. And we have on the Moses chart, the father, Yahweh, written up in the upper left-hand corner. Yahweh is the father. He is pure spirit. We live, move, and have our being within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. And Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him, in his pure spirit state, he took on shape and form, the word or son. And that's the words communicating Yahweh's purpose. And then that self-same word manifest in the flesh is Yahshua, the Messiah, our Savior. That is how Yahweh, that's the unity of the spirit. That's why we teach by the, the name of the Father, the, the uh, name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, you see. That's how we teach according to that way. And Yahweh's allowed us to understand that. You know, I mentioned earlier the name of the Father. If somebody was to ask me prior to coming into class, what is the name of the Father? I couldn't tell you. I would say the Lord. And what is the name of the Son? I would say Jesus. What's the name of the Holy Spirit? I don't think the Holy Spirit has a name, does he? You know, that would have been my response. Never knowing that the name of the Holy Spirit was Joshua. The name of the Son, the title of the word or Son is Elohim. But the name of the Son is Joshua. <clears throat> 
You mm-hmm. see, it's just so beautiful when you come to understand that. So if you could just kindly get me because, um, um, okay, just pick me up, uh, pick up where, what I asked for. Thank you. John one eighteen. No man mm-hmm. has seen Yahweh at any time. I'm sorry. No man has seen That's God funny. at any time. The only begotten okay. son. So, yeah. So it says no man has seen God at any time. Now, if you could just jump over there in Exodus and, and uh, tell us what Moses and all them seen. And it's pictorially illustrated here on this chart where she's picking up. Exodus 24 and 9. Then went up Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw mm-hmm. the God of Israel. Wow. At- they mm-hmm. saw God. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And as it were, the body of heaven, oh, I skipped part, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven and in his clearness. Moses, certainly I saw the body of heaven in his clearness. Now, John said nobody's seen God at any time. This is saying, okay, so who's right? Who's wrong? You know, it seems it appears to be a contradiction. But when you use a true, correct name in there, then, oh, my gosh, it just opens right up for you. So pr- kindly read it correctly for me, if you would. John 118. Thank you. Yep. No man has seen Yahweh at any time. Beautiful. So that's Yahweh in his pure spirit state. We were not born with spirit detectors. We have our five physical senses. And uh, one of those were not spirit detectors. Okay. We live, move, and have our being within that pure spirit state of Yahweh, you see. Okay. Now go back over into Exodus. Exodus 24 and 10. Uh-huh. And, they saw, and they saw the Elohim of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. Wow, what a difference. And it's as simple as thought, word, and deed. Think of Yahweh being the abstract uh, 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 Elohim, um, being an intermediate, and Yahshua being Mm -hmm. concrete. Thought, abstract, you don't know what I'm thinking. And then what's on my mind, I'll speak the words. Then I can tell you what's on my mind. Then deed, will I follow up in action that which I have spoken? And and, then look how we go through life. Is it not the most difficult thing to uh, try to associate with somebody that does not do as they say they're going to do? You know, that's not um, the way Yahweh operates. He operates in simplicity and whatever he says, you can bank on it. You can bank on the things that he has said and he will do. And he's done them, you see. So that was just a simple point of just trying to bring out a few simple principles with using that true name um, uh, and title in the name of our Savior. The next part, it says in the moderation, it says the fourth thing, it says in this school, we use we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. And it's called the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. And if you could kindly get that for me in Exodus, where Yahweh actually gave that to Moses. It's amazing. Did you know that Moses wrote of our Savior? I never knew that. 
Did you know that Moses was called the top of Mount Sinai and showed the days of creation? I never knew that. Did you know that Moses was given a divine tabernacle pattern and was told to build one exactly like it? Did you know that that pattern has been under man's nose for 3,500 years? Nobody on this earth has ever been able to put this together like this vision and revelation. And when uh, somebody, one of the students said to Dr. Kinley, I could have the vision and revelation that you had. And he simply said, help yourself, <laughs> help yourself. And that's what we're able to do. Spiritually feed our soul with such magnificent food and so plentiful now, so plentiful. I am forever grateful on how well fed I've been since coming into this class. I've been just fed so well. And I'm just so grateful for it. And I'm talking spiritually because um, there's just magnificent. But anyway, over into Exodus there, uh, the third chapter where, uh, or no, I'm sorry, wherever you are, where Yahweh gives Moses that pattern. Exodus 25 and 8. Uh, and let, uh, them, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According okay. to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of okay. all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Wow. Isn't mm -hmm. that something? And go ahead and jump over to 40. 40 at first. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. What a beautiful thing. So this is Yahweh giving Moses instruction and telling him, you make sure you make it just the way I told you. And please know this. Moses was obedient to the heavenly vision that he received. And he did it just the way Yahweh told him to. He made it just that way. And if you could kindly... Um, so in this, as I said in the moderation, it says in this school we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. It's Yahweh that's referring to it as a pattern to Moses. You know, we teach according to that path and everything in the universe is made. And that's the last part of it. But anyway, um, could you kindly pull up the body tabernacle chart for me? Because this was another amazing thing. And I know each and every single person listening, and, and uh, if it's your first time or 30th time or 3,000th time, isn't it exciting to have this still as wonderful as it was the first day you heard it? When I first seen this tabernacle and how man is made in the image of Elohim by the, by the pattern of the tabernacle, I was blown away. And it continues to blow me away this day. And I'm glad for the simplest understanding that I do have. You know, you look on the left side, that's got the court roundabout depicted, the holy place and the most holy place. You look at yourself, and I just want you to put, and that's the beautiful thing about it. Please take this gospel personally. Yahweh created you. Yahweh created you just this way. Look at you. You are a magnificent witness to Yahweh's purpose. You have an abdominal cavity, which has a court roundabout. You have a chest cavity, which is a holy place. And you have a head cavity, which is the most holy place. 
And when Dr. you look Jean, at the tabernacle, yeah. Thank five you very much. Me. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, I'm just so thankful to be able to give the simplest of testimony. I'm going to jump over to the last part of the school where it says school. Um, and it says, in this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of the threefold tabernacle pattern and how that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Now, that is a very bold statement. And I just love to see it witnessed time and time and time again, week after week after week. The creator is by his creation. Migration of the children of Israel, the atom, the cell, the metamorphosis of the bubble line, change of seasons, nine planets, nine systems in the body, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of our Savior, all brought into complete harmony so that we can understand Yahweh's purpose. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing, you know. So I'll leave it at that. I, uh, on behalf of our core class, I'd like to extend our love to everybody out there. We are so grateful that everybody has a chance to visit. And, uh, you know, obviously that's been difficult. But you know what? First time visiting Oceanside. Always wanted to visit Oceanside. <laughs> My love to all you out there. And it is wonderful. Wisconsin, Florida, Maine. Malaysia, I mean, just all the different places. My sincere love and gratitude as a fellow son of Yahweh. Much love to each and every single one of you. I'm forever grateful for your testimonies and your and your uh, 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 keeping in the faith, preaching of this magnificent gospel. I hope that somebody was edified uh, by the things that... Uh, Yahweh allowed me to speak. All praises to Yahshua. I'll turn it over to the next speaker. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Dr. Dean, for joining us today. Our second speaker will be Dr. Sue Sikowski from our Rhode Island Branch School. Good evening, everyone. I thoroughly enjoyed the testimony of the first speaker. And he covered the waterfront in the things that he was showing that have made an impression, have, um, have stayed with him, have um, been spiritual food for him, as his testimony was, from when he first came into this class. And it made me think about how if you have, um, as a natural example, if you have a relationship with someone um, that you love, a parent, a spouse, a child, um, that relationship, as it goes on over time, continues to, to grow and you continue to see new things and different facets of a person. And um, sometimes people may comment that they feel they hear same thing over and over again when they attend our classes that we do a lot of repetition, which if you understand how Yahweh works, Yahweh is into repetition and he teaches 
by showing the same thing to us over and over again. Manifestation, the way it looks may be a little bit different, the way it sounds may be a little bit different, but he makes his points by saying things over and over again, which is a good thing because most of us don't catch things the first time and we certainly don't catch them fully the first time we hear anything. But a, a relationship based on love and something that you is important to you and that um, you have great, excuse me, <clears throat> great affection uh, for, um, you don't get tired of seeing that person. Um, you don't get tired of learning about that person you, it may be a little bit different than right in the beginning when you have all that um, interesting um, kind of the, the excitement that they describe in the beginning of a relationship, but it deepens and it gets more of a bond and more of a, a loving relationship over time. And that's what I thought about in listening to the first speaker, how that that um, excitement, that interest, the things that um, caught him and that he couldn't walk away from um, by his own testimony, those are the things that keep us coming back. And in the scripture reading, Paul talked about being a prisoner of Yahshua, a prisoner of the gospel of Yahshua. And um, we are, it's not a prisoner in a bad sense. Um, it's one of those relationships that you just, um, you're caught up in and you can't, you can't walk away from. So um, I'd like to continue with some, some thoughts. Um, one of the things that the first speaker, I mentioned that it, he covered the waterfront. He talked about um, Yahweh's purpose or the things that are in just the moderation that we talk about every, every week. And it talks about Yahweh's purpose and it talks about things um, depicted in the Bible. It taught, he talked about things in the creation that surrounds us, the natural world that we live in. He talked about the body and how it went by what we have identified as the divine pattern that Yahweh has built and brought forth this creation by. He talked about the ages and the dispensations. None of those things had ever been explained to me, had ever been spoken about when I went to church and went to religious classes and how I was brought up in, in something that people wanted me to believe. Those were all new things and they were all substantive things. They were things that had content, had um, meat to the bones. They weren't the kind of fluffy things that I would hear about when I went to church on Sunday or that they talked about in religious class that you had to memorize some things and no one seemed to care whether you understood them. You just had to memorize them and be able to repeat them back. So you come to a school, a place where our goal is to share the knowledge and understanding that we've been given with others so that they too can understand that there's a creator who has a purpose in effect uh, unfolding in this creation around us and, and through us and in us. And um, our hope is that that will provide you with understanding and with stability 
and with a, a love for um, a, a creator that you probably didn't know at all in the way that he really does exist, which is our first aim. So could we get, um, as a starting point, could we get Isaiah 26.3? And this is a thought expressed, um, Isaiah's in the Old Testament, and um, expresses something here that I think all of us would, would love to be able to say we can accomplish or we, we are able to do. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 26, 3. Yes, please. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. So Isaiah said he will keep, Yahweh will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. Mm-hmm. And the way that that could happen is because you trust in him. Now, in order to trust in someone, we go back to the concept of the relationship that I was talking about. You have to be hit, you have to know someone and you have to have seen that they do follow through on the things that they say. If they make a promise or a commitment that they do keep that promise, they do fulfill that commitment. And as we read down through the scriptures, there's example after example, witness after witness of Yahweh, when his word goes forth, when he makes a promise, when something is declared, then it does come to pass. And so we are able to share with you and in this class and future classes, you'll hear many examples of how Yahweh is a faithful El and, and give you reason to trust in him. And most importantly, he does that on a personal level. So each of us has our own testimony and our own experiences that show how faithful and trustworthy he is and why we have confidence in him. We have faith in him, not blind faith as much as the world has in whatever it is they say they believe, but in wide-eyed, opened, witnessed time after time again, faith in our creator. And with that kind of trust, then he's saying he, he can keep us in perfect peace if we keep our mind stayed on him. Now, that's, that's a tough thing to think about being able to do. Because if, if you try to do um, meditation, if you try to focus on anything, um, most of us find that we have a fairly brief attention span and are not able to stay focused or keep our mind on anything for very long. Um, if we're interested in it, then your attention span is longer than if it's something somebody tells you to do, or if you're doing something that you find boring, um, your mind drifts. But the reality is, as the first speaker has showed us, there's not a direction you can look that you're not going to see something that Yahweh has put out there for us to see. Creation, Bible, um, chronology, the, the ages and dispensations, your own body and how it works and the things that it shows to you. 
um, current events, history in the past or history as it's being made now, your own life. Um, all of these things are things that show us something about your creator. So I realized in thinking about this, that keeping our minds stayed on Yahweh actually is a lot easier than it might initially sound. If we continue to remember that Yahweh is everywhere, that things that show us Yahweh, the unfolding of his purpose, the way that he thinks, the way that he has designed this purpose, you can't look anywhere that it wouldn't remind you or wouldn't show you in some way something about your creator. And knowing that, that allows us to be, to have the comfort. Um, the first speaker was talking about the comforter who will teach us all things and bring all things back to our remembrance, that that's where the comfort is. And the peace that's talked about there, um, if you go into the, um, the Strong's Concordance to see the original um, information in the Hebrew for that word, um, I believe it takes you to things that talk about safety, feeling safe, feeling happy, all of those things that we desire and that the world is so desperately seeking for. Um, let's get Acts 17 also to go along with this thought. And I think we want to start down. I'm going to bring that up um, as you go there. I think we want to go down around 22. And start at, let's see. Yeah, so let's start at 22. The background on this particular section or, or um, uh, discussion in Acts, history in Acts, is that Paul um, has gone to um, Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, and he's in an area that they have a lot of devotions, a lot of idols, a lot of things um, that people worship. And he's, he's been talking with them it talks about earlier in the chapter that he goes to the synagogues and he goes to these places where the philosophers gather and talk. And he um, finds it necessary to, to make some statements, to declare some things to these people that are listening um, as, as he's gathering there with them. So if you'd start at 22, please. At Acts 17, 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown Elohim, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. All right. So Paul's standing here in this area with lots of idols and devotions and things that they have put up there. And he had walked by one of these little displays and it said it was an altar that said to the unknown God or the unknown Elohim. And he says, this one whom you ignorantly worship, that's the one I want to declare unto you. Now, if you think about it, if you put something up that says we're in an area where you have hundreds of other um, little altars and, and devotions to gods, and you put up one that says to the unknown God, 
that's a CYA, as they say in the vocabulary. You're just trying to cover all your bases in case you've missed somebody that you don't want to annoy. And so they were just trying to protect their interests. And Paul says this one that's the unknown, the one you don't know about that you haven't put up anything to, to celebrate, that's the one I want to talk to you about. And so he proceeds to talk with them about Yahweh um, and the things that have been shown to him. And if you'll recall, Paul was, um, he, he describes in one of the chapters, I think it's in Ephesians or Philippians, about his background and how he was very learned and he was brought up in all the, the right schools and teachings and under the elders that knew everything. And Paul was a very educated man and had been following all the laws and the things that he understood that the, the Hebrews were supposed to follow is given back with Moses and, and, um, and from Yahweh. And then had uh, an event occur that revealed to him what Yahweh really wanted and was doing under the new covenant after the day of Pentecost, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah, and there was an incredible change on the day of Pentecost, which most of the world does not understand and know about, even though it's written in the Bible. And even though some um, groups do celebrate the, the day of Pentecost in some way, they have not seen what really occurred on that day and the change that Yahweh made and how what his relationship with mankind is and what he expects now in the form of um, what you could call worship or, or um, trying to have a relationship with your creator. So Paul's talking here and he's been trying to convince people and trying to tell people about this. Earlier in the chapter, they, they describe what Paul has been doing and they say that he's turned their world upside down. So you have to appreciate how radical what Paul was saying was to the people at that time. So continue reading where you are. 24, Yahweh that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is ruler of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. All right, point one, Yahweh does not dwell in temples made with hands. He's walking around in a country that has temples to everything. Mm -hmm. And these days, let's take it up to right now, we have churches on almost every corner. And for people who don't go to a church, um, there are concepts, opinions, and theories in men's minds on every street and every corner across this world. And they have him dwelling in some kind of a temple made with hands. So Paul's, Paul's already started off saying something that's going to, to rock their world. Read. 25. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath in all things. And he's not worshipped with men's hands. And you've seen pictures, you know, if you go to church, you put your hands together, you may do the sign of the cross. There may be other things that you do. Paul says, nope, that's not it either. He doesn't need anything because he gives to all life and breath and all things. So if he's the source of everything for us, 
what does he need back from us in the way that mankind has set up all these rituals and, and temples and practices that they feel that they're doing to, to worship God. Keep reading. 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the, earth, all the face of the earth and hath, <clears throat> hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Keep reading. 27, that they should seek Yahweh, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. All right, so for in him we live and move and have our being. Going back to what I said, that there's nowhere we can look Things, nothing that we can look at, nothing we can think about that shouldn't be able to show us something about our creator because we live in him and, and move and have our being in him. And it goes on in here. We're not going to keep reading, but it goes on in here and says that we don't want to think about him being like gold or silver or graven by man's device. We don't want to do any of those things that most of the world does in trying to worship our creator. Now, um, the question um, or, or the thought that as the first speaker was talking, he talked about us being a school and um, about us teaching and sharing those things that we have seen. And that is why we get together and hold our classes for those people who have not heard anything about their creator, who may have just joined us for the first time, or for those of us who have been here for decades and still have a lot to learn, because this is a school that you'll never graduate from. You're never done learning about Yahweh and about our creator and the purpose and plan that he has in place. Um, can we get Isaiah 55 and let's start at... I believe eight. Isaiah 55 and verse eight. <clears throat> For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith Yahweh. All right, so this is Yahweh speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And much of the Old Testament of the Bible, the, the section called the prophets, are the words of Yahweh that he has manifest through various men down through this um, period in history. And you, you find um, a number of those books. Um, well, first of all, you find in the names of a lot of those prophets, they end in Yah, they may be spelled I-A-H like Jeremiah, but it's pronounced Yah, which is the shortened version of the name of Yahweh that the first speaker was um, explaining a bit about, um, they may be, um, they may have L, E-L, like Ezekiel in their name, which is um, the Yahweh manifest in that visionary shape and form as the title, through the title of Elohim. But they're even manifesting in many cases, the fact that um, part of their name is related to the creator and how he is using them um, to, to declare his message to people back in the Old Testament. And then you read in what they have written 
And a number of them will start out saying, and the word of Yahweh came unto me saying, um, so that they are clearly saying it's not their words, but that of Yahweh that they are passing along to the people. So in this case, Yahweh's saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts, Read. Neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. Neither are your ways my ways. So he's putting a difference. He's making it very clear that we should think about if, if we have thoughts, then we know Yahweh's thoughts are different. If we have ways, then we know Yahweh's ways are different. Read. Mm -hmm. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And how much different are they? As far different from the heavens are to the earth, that distance that you really can't measure, um, it, it's that much of a difference in the way that we think versus the way Yahweh thinks. But thankfully, he's given us a way to understand about how he's done things. Um, so keep reading where you are. We're as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and bringeth forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And he's saying that his word has gone forth. And the first speaker was showing you that Yahweh Elohim is the word of Yahweh. It's the way, it's the shape and form, the, the um, state of existence that Yahweh has to manifest his, um, or to communicate with us, his thoughts, his purpose, um, what we need to know about him. So that word is going to go forth and that word's not going to return unto him void. It's going to accomplish what he, what he sent it forth to do. So that's how Yahweh communicates with us. That's how we know what his thoughts are and his expectations um, and his purpose and plan. Now, um, we're going to go back to where you are, Sharon. So if you would hold that. Um, okay. Gail, could you go over to Leviticus 10, starting at verse 10? Yeah. Leviticus 10 and 10. That you may put different, that you may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. Okay, so the background on this is that um, he's talking about the priesthood that had been set up back in the Old Testament of the Bible, the Levitical priesthood. And um, he's talking about what their job was. And he's saying it was a part of what they needed to do was to put, um, read that again, Gail. 10. And that you may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. All right. So um, their job was to put difference between holy and unholy and mm -hmm. clean and unclean. Putting difference between something or teaching, teaching, um, read 11 as well before I, I continue to comment. Thank you. And that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes 
which Yahweh had spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. All right. And so their job was also to teach all the statutes or to communicate to the people what Yahweh had said. And um, in teaching, the goal of the teaching was to put a difference between clean and unclean, holy and unholy. Um, in other words, to help them discern between good and bad um, uh, uh, things that were acceptable to Yahweh, things that were not, things that they needed to worry about um, doing or not doing. And um, going along with one of our aims, which is to discern and avoid being deceived by the mystery of iniquity, um, that was part of what the job of the Levitical priesthood was under the Old Testament. And if you look in, um, again, into Strong's Concordance for the original meaning of the word teach in verse 11, um, it picks up to flow as water, that is to rain, um, which if we go back into Isaiah 55, could we read that again, please? Um, not starting at eight, uh, Sharon, pick it up down a couple of verses where it talks about the rain. My words is the rain. Uh, four, or I'm sorry, 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and we turn it not thither, but watereth the earth and bringeth forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. All right, and so teaching, or the word going forth, the, the role of the priests and it continues in principle. There's no longer a priesthood under this covenant after the day of Pentecost. I talked about that dra dramatic change that took place, but in principle, the teaching is still going on under this covenant and it, up and through this day and age that we're in. And the goal of the teaching is to help people discern between clean and unclean, holy and unholy in principle, and still um, for us as teachers to share what we understand so that we and others can still make that discernment, can still make those evaluations. We can still listen um, to what we, what people want to share with us as spiritual food, for example. The first speaker talked about being well-fed in these classes. Well, when you eat something, you want to discern whether it's good for your body or not. And the same thing happens in principle in the spirit of things. Um, back in um, the Old Testament, the story of the migration, we read about the manna that came down from heaven. And it was talked about it being bread from heaven that Yahweh gave them. So um, it, and they, they needed to um, collect it and use it for food. And they had to use all of it up or it would rot. Um, the Yahweh was very specific about what days they could collect it. They weren't to go out on the Sabbath to collect it. They could collect double. And so in thinking about all of that, the bread from heaven that came down, it was food to them. And um, a pot of that was put into the Ark of the Covenant and was preserved um, 
in the most holy place in the ark, uh, um, witness unto Yahweh um, and showing the value of that bread from heaven, Yahweh kept a, had them put a pot of manna in the, in the ark of the covenant. Yahshua comes in and says he's the bread that came down from heaven. And if they were to eat of that bread, that they would never die. Um, thinking about how that played out back there in Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, he talks about man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Yahweh. So again, he's linking the bread and the eating of the bread with the word of, of Yahweh that came to them and kept them alive. Um, Yahweh works a lot of principles in the Old Testament that he then fulfills in um, the ministry of the Messiah walking around and a um, uh, number of times he would say, in your ears, the scripture is fulfilled today. Um, I'm likening the spiritual food that teachers put forth and offer to the students um, to share what they've seen as that substance that um, the true bread from heaven, the words of the Messiah, the scriptures being fulfilled and being carried over into the principles under the new covenant, um, that's what provides the real spiritual uh, life. The um, things from the old covenant, the things that the churches are teaching, the temples that are on every corner, buildings made with hands, worshiping with hands, all of those are like the manna that Yahweh said, if they didn't follow um, how it had to be collected, it would rot and spoil and would not be good for, for eating. And just they've tried, yes. Five minutes. Okay, thank you. They've carried that over. The mystery of iniquity um, has carried that over. And those things have rot, they are rotten, but they are being given to people as food, um, spiritual food and being represented as the word or the bread that comes down from heaven now. And unfortunately, it has no substance. Worse than that, it's rotten. And um, described back in the Old Testament, it talks about how it would, you know, have worms in it and things like that. Who wants to eat that kind of spiritual food? Um, anything that is, is um, not um, according to that, the thoughts of Yahweh, the word that he sent forth, that's not going to return unto him void. In other words, it's going to come back productive and accomplishing what he sent it forward forth to do. Anything that, that is not in line with what Yahweh has um, set up for his pastors and shepherds and teachers to teach, that's rotten manna and will be no good for the spiritual body and will not allow people to be in perfect peace um, because they can't keep their mind on him. They don't see him. They don't know him as he actually is and truthfully exists. And, um, and you really, and also you can't trust someone if you know that they're not feeding you good food, they're not um, keeping their promises, they're not on the straight and narrow according to the way the creator has set up. So, um, uh, again, going back to that analogy of a, of a good relationship, what we're looking for is um, a creator, um, a, a spouse, um, a partner, or 
um, that's kind of the wrong word. We're, we're a member of Yahshua's body. So we're looking for um, a relationship that is um, uh, true and committed and um, honest and um, pure and dedicated to the worship of our, our Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth, as it talks about in John 4.24. Um, and I thank you for the time. Thank you so much, Dr. Sikowski. Our next and final speaker will be the Dean of the Oceanside Branch, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Good evening, everyone. I thoroughly enjoyed the testimonies of the first two speakers. I thought that they brought out many good points, uh, many aspects of what we were taught when we first came into the school that uh, convinced us that this teaching was a product of a divine vision and revelation. Now, there's something in the scripture reading that I'd like to address tonight. So I want to go back to our scripture reading, and I'd like to start right at one if we could. Ephesians 3 and 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of Yahweh, which is given me to you, were now I want to make a comment. I want to make a comment about that first verse that she read. Now, when Paul said that he was the prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah, effectively what happened is that Paul was taken captive against his own will. Now we know that Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute more members of the body of Yahshua, of the uh, ministry. And he was caught up into eternity where Yahshua had spoken with him and given him a job to do, and that was to preach to the Gentiles. And Paul, recognizing the great mercy that Yahshua had called him after what he had done by putting to death uh, I don't know how many of the followers after Pentecost there uh, of Yahshua the Messiah in this gospel, and he had him put to death, recognizing that Yahshua had called him, uh, made him understand his great, if you will, his great uh, uh, mercy that Yahshua had and his great, uh, if you will, kindness towards him, such that Paul was driven to go out there and preach the gospel and give anything to do the will of Yahshua to show his gratitude. And he considered himself a prisoner because of that. That, In other words, that's what he was uh, uh, born to do and what was now in his heart and mind that he must follow. So keep going because there's some more in here I want to get after. Go ahead. Verse 3 how that by revelation he made note unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. Now I want to make a comment about that also. Paul didn't get this from reading the scriptures, because Paul knew the scriptures uh, backwards and forwards. Uh, the man was a learned man in the scriptures, but he didn't get the revelation from that. It was, in other words, the understanding. It was by revelation of Yahshua opening up his understanding of what those scriptures were actually trying to get him to see. Now, Dr. Kinley talked about how that the purpose of Yahweh 
and the Bible were written in a mystery, that the purpose is a mystery and not known, which Paul talks about further down in this, this paragraph or this chapter that we're in tonight. Now, the only way for you to come to a knowledge and an understanding of Yahweh's great purpose and plan is by revelation. There's no other method. And that revelation is going to be brought forth through the vehicle of the preaching of the gospel. That's why it's important to come to class. Now here, he's explaining he didn't get it. In another place, he talked about how he did not receive it of man, but he was given it by Yahshua or the Holy Spirit. So by revelation, it was made known unto him this mystery. Read. Four. As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of the Messiah, okay. which, in, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Now listen, and, when he said in other ages, it was mm -hmm. not known in the post-Diluvian age, because Paul is writing this now in the present kingdom age, which is now the age of grace, mm -hmm. where the revelation is now being made available by the Holy Spirit being put within a heart and the hearts and minds of men and by the foolishness of preaching. So here he's talking about in other ages, meaning it wasn't known in the first age, the creative age. It was not known in the uh, antediluvian age, and it was not known in the post-diluvian age. Nobody knew the purpose of Yahweh in the first three ages, not even the angels. And those things were kept hidden, which he talks about later. Keep reading as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, mm -hmm. that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in the Messiah by the gospel. Read. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of Yahweh given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Okay. Unto me, who am less than the least of all sons, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of the Messiah. Now here's what you got. Here's what you got. When Paul was caught up in that vision, and you read about this over in the book of Acts, I think it's around the 22nd or the 26th chapter, one of those two chapters. He, he talks about how he was commissioned by Yahshua to go to the Gentiles and to bring them, deliver them from the power of darkness and from the power of Satan. Now, his job was to go out and preach to the Gentiles. Now, let me say this to you about that. What we've got in the purpose is Yahweh is setting up right down through the purpose where he is dividing. Now, what we know is he divided the light from the darkness, the waters above from the waters beneath, the dry ground from the sea, and so on. Then he even divided the man and the woman. Now, from there, as the purpose progresses, he's also going to divide men from men. Now, we know that what happens is his purpose is going to run through a lineage that is going to be brought down according to his purpose. And at some point, when we, we get down to the time of Abraham, Abraham was called out of uh, Iran, or uh, uh, that area that is co commonly referred to as Babylon, and there Yahweh made a promise with him and a commitment to him and his offspring or his seed. 
And we know that he had more than one child. Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac, not to speak of more children even after that. But what Yahweh did is he drew a division between Ishmael, the firstborn, and Isaac, who was secondborn, and made it known to Abraham that Isaac would be the one that would receive the inheritance. Now, when Isaac begins to play his part in the purpose, he then has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the elder, Jacob was the younger. But Yahweh chose Jacob over Esau and said that the younger, uh, the elder shall serve the younger. For Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. And this is before they even did anything, before they were even born, Yahweh chose the lineage to come down through Jacob. Now what happens, Jacob has 12 sons, and we know that that 12 sons of Jacob, uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And that becomes the beginning of the nation of Israel, and Yahweh separates Israel from the rest of the world. Now with Abraham, he gave circumcision. Circumcision set apart that lineage from the rest of the world. And we often say, uh, the circumcision was unto the Jews, or the Hebrews, actually. And the, those that were uncircumcised were all the Gentiles. Now, Yahweh drew a, a line there and divided the Jew and the Gentile. Now, we also know there were prophecies back there in the law that Yahweh would eventually bring in the Gentiles into his purpose and plan. Mm -hmm. And that he made provision for them to be grafted in under the law. Now, what happens is, when the Messiah comes in, Israel itself had been separated. We had Israel split in two parts. We had ten nations, uh, ten tribes, excuse me, and then we had two tribes, which were Benjamin and Judah. And they had become split apart. There was two kings at one point, one for the ten, and one for the, other, for the, Jew, the, the Jews out of Judah and Benjamin. Now, that happened after Solomon had worshipped idols and Yahweh rent the kingdom. Now, to get back to the point here, they, he divided Israel and he divided Judah from being two separate entities, if you will, or parts of that offspring that was set up to receive the inheritance. Now, let's go over to Jeremiah 31.31 for a minute, please. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now listen, right there, right there. He's talking about how he's made a new, he's going to make a new covenant with the two factions, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So here we had the split take place in Israel, but he was going to make a new covenant with both the, the ten tribes, and also the two tribes. Keep reading. 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Now, when he made that covenant from Mount Sinai, they were unified. They were one nation. They were Israel. They were the children or offspring of Israel. They divided later on down the line over there in the prophets. But he made the covenant originally with one nation, one tribe, or one, uh, 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 if you will, uh, uh, under one name, the name of Israel. Read. 
which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. Go ahead. 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Now after stop. those days. Stop. Right there, he said, this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. He doesn't mention Judah. He doesn't, in the beginning, he said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. But now he said, this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And he does not mention the house of Judah. Why? Because under the new covenant, Yahweh is going to bring back into unity the division. He's going to reconcile in him both Israel and Judah as one again, not being divided. And what I want you to know is that what Yahweh divided all the way down through, which was the Gentile from the Jews, the Jews were divided, and so on, Yahweh, under the new covenant, is going to bring back into unification. Not only Israel and Judah, but the Gentiles also are coming back in to be a part or fellow heirs of, 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 of the promise. And therefore, what we have is that Yahweh now is going to set up to get us to understand that Yahweh, to Yahweh, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, for all are one in Yahshua the Messiah. And Paul was set out as a learned man in the scriptures. And let's remember this. They didn't have books that they passed out back then. Paul uh, mentioned, Paul Dean mentioned how that he had gotten a new, he had a new Jerusalem Bible. Well, guess what? Back there under the Old Covenant, they weren't handing out Bibles. Nobody had an understanding, unless you were learned, of what was in the scrolls that were kept up there in the synagogue and the temple. And that was left to the, the Pharisees and so-called the religious leaders. Now, when Yahweh brings Paul in, Paul knew the scriptures. And he's going to send Paul out there. He's a learned man and spoke many different language, languages. And therefore, he was going to use Paul to instruct and teach the Gentiles those things that were back there in their writings of the Law and the Prophets. So that they might have a knowledge of what was in the Scriptures. And truthfully, I've heard this testimony made tonight, and I've heard it made many times how that most of us, when we came in here, didn't know anything. We didn't know what was in the Bible. We didn't know what was in the Scriptures. And even if we had read it, we still didn't know, really, what was in there. Now, what's happening is Yahweh is raising up ministers in this Gospel that not only know what's in the Bible, but have an understanding of the purpose of Yahweh that is working down through the Scriptures. And you are a Gentile now, not by virtue of your nationality that you were born, because you can be a Jew and be a Gentile, which means that you're Jewish by origin uh, from your biological standpoint, but know nothing about Yahweh in reality that makes you to be a Gentile. So Paul noted over in Romans, the second chapter, he said, for he is not a Jew that is one outwardly whose circumcision is of the flesh. But he is a Jew that is one inwardly whose circumcision is of the heart and the spirit or the mind. So we know that from a standpoint that the differentiation of what the Jew and the Gentile is in principle is to those that have been circumcised in their heart and mind versus those that are still carnally minded. 
To be carnally minded makes you to be a Gentile, well, even if you're a Jew. But to be spiritually minded makes you now to be one that has been grafted into the body of Yahshua. Now, it takes, it takes a circumcised, spiritually circumcised Jew to be able to instruct the Gentiles, those that are uncircumcised, so that they might also be heirs to the promise where Yahweh is unifying all man, regardless of whether you're a Greek, whether you're Italian, whether you're French, or whether you're a Jew. We're all in the same boat. Without a knowledge of the purpose of Yahweh, without a revelation from him, we're all lost. So Yahweh has raised up ministers. That's what this gospel was set up to do with this teaching was set up to do when, when Dr. Kinley had set up the institute, was to raise up ministers. We now have received our understanding the same way Paul did, by revelation and by grace. None of us deserved it. None of us had anything about us that was so special that Yahweh said, well, I think I'm going to pick uh, Paul Dean tonight because he's a nice fellow. If that, that's not the way it's going to work. Pretty much all of us walk in dead on arrival, and we walk in with nothing redeemable that makes us worthy of salvation. And then Yahshua, by his great love and his great mercy, is going to take us and gather us unto him himself, and he's going to clean us up. As he said, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, clean you from all your filthiness, and I'm going to put a new heart in you and a new spirit. And that's the circumcision, ladies and gentlemen. So Paul is going to go out to preach to the Gentiles. Keep reading, because I'm after something else, believe it or not. In the Keep scripture? Going. I think we left off... Uh, nine. Uh, at nine. Well, read nine again. Yes. Well, wait okay. a minute. No, read eight again, please. Okay. Ephesians 3 and 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all sons, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of the Messiah. All right. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been made hid in Yahweh Elohim, who, who created all things by Yahshua the Messiah. Now listen, listen, now listen. His job was to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in Yahweh. That means that Yahweh's purpose was not known from the beginning of the world. Nobody knew the purpose of Yahweh. Nobody understood what Yahweh was doing or why he was doing it. And so Paul's job now after Pentecost by revelation, where Yahweh, here Paul knew the scriptures from uh, from uh, Genesis over to Malachi. And what happened is Joshua gave him an understanding and opened up to him how those scriptures were expressing the purpose of Yahweh, and it was all pointing to Joshua, who is the Savior of the world, that Yahweh is salvation. Now, what we're doing is, is we're trying to preach this mystery. We're not trying to instruct you so you have knowledge of the Bible. Now, do we mean that you don't need the Bible? No, we're not saying that. We're not saying that you don't, you shouldn't check your Bible or even read it or anything like that. But the mystery is hidden down in there. And what we're trying to preach in these classes is opening up that mystery so that you recognize that this teaching is truly 
by vision revelation direct from Yahweh, giving us an understanding of why everything that happened that we read in the Bible, what it was pointing to, and how it fits Yahweh's purpose that is operating according to the pattern. Now, keep reading. Ten. Ten. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the assembly the manifold wisdom of Yahweh. Read. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in the Messiah, Yahshua. Now, we read a couple of verses up there. Sharon read that everything was created by Yahshua. And now he's saying that according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in the Messiah, our Savior. Now, listen, he purposed the whole purpose right in Yahshua. Well, what does the right. name Yahshua means? It means that Yahweh is salvation. So what's the purpose going to be? It's going to be that Yahweh is salvation. Now... And therefore he was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Keep reading. And who we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Read. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Read. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, of our master Yahshua the Messiah. Now let who's oh. the father who's the father of Yahshua the Messiah? Well, I want you to know that the father is Yahweh because Yahshua now there's a transcript where Dr. Kinley talked about, and I thought this was uh very apropos the way he explained this. He said now the Christianity dates everything by uh that happened before the birth of Yahshua, they call it BC. He said, now, I want you to know, Dr. Kinley said, that there's no such thing as B.C. In other words, he went in and explained that Yahshua was the firstborn of all things. The first thing that Yahweh created or formed was Yahshua. This is before there was an angelic creation, a physical creation, or anything else. All there was was Yahweh. Uh, Greg, blow up the uh, 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 elementary chart there, please. Now, what you're looking at in that first circle up there on the charter pattern or plan of salvation is you're looking at Yahshua before there's any angelic or physical creation. Because he's going to create these things in the first age. Yahshua was formed before the first age. Yahshua was not made during the first age. He is before all things, and he is the creator of all things, which means that once Yahweh formed Yahshua, or as Doc once said, when he created Yahshua, or Yahweh Elohim, went out of the creating business. Now, he went out of the creating business from pure spirit, but then Yahweh was that which was in Yahshua, creating both the angelic and the physical creation through Yahshua the Messiah, or that which he formed. Now, that's in a transcript, by the way. I didn't come up with that on my own. Now, what I want you to see is that Yahshua, you can't give him a birthday like December 25th or even June 6th. Why? Because when he was created, he was created in the realm of eternity. And Paul was talking about how that there were three ages dealing with the realm of time. 
the antediluvian, post-diluvian, and present age. Now, Yahshua was created before even there was an age, which means there's no way to pinpoint when he was born. He was the firstborn of every creature, but he was born, and over at the top there where his hand is up, it says eternity. He was born in eternity, which means no, there's no time. It's an absence of time. There's no way to calculate when he was born. And Dr. Kinley made the point that there's nothing before Christ. Nothing B.C. does not exist. There's nothing that existed before him. Now, what I want you to get, these little fine points that we read that Doc makes are going to enhance your understanding of the purpose once you know how to put it together. So what Paul is saying here, he said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Master, Yahshua the Messiah. You follow? And there it is. Now, thank, uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, Greg just pulled it up for me. He said, Now, if you look and see the chron chronological point of view, that, that it was before the birth of Mary to say nothing about the birth of Jesus or B.C., 1491 or birth of Christ. That is why I say there is no such thing as before Christ or B.C. <laughs> He's a master. Dr. Kinley was a master at really getting your brain to think, to really analyze out and think about the things that we have accepted before we came down to this teaching and what we understand now transcends every doctrine, every religious uh, uh, teaching in the world because this is the reality of Yahweh's purpose and plan that you're learning down here. And let me tell you this, the world does not know these things. They don't know it. It's being given to you by election. Now, Paul now... And I want to get this point because I was asked a question about something that I had mentioned in another class, and I want to work with that just a little bit before I get out of here. Now, in 14 again, read 14 again, please. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Master, Yahshua the Messiah, read. Of, whom, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, here's what I wanted to get to. I had made the statement in one of my recent classes that I gave, one of the least recent lectures, that all of us are going to be called by one name in the ages to come, and that is the name of Yahshua. Right. Now, somebody asked, they said, well, what do you mean? I mean, isn't our name written in the book of life? And you know what? It is. It was a very good question. Dr. Kinley had said that your name was written in, the, the name that your mother and father gave you was written in the book of life, and the name that Yahweh will give you is also in there. <laughs> now, stop and think about this. If you go across at the end of this age into the new heaven and new earth state, the new creation, with an immortal glorified body, which you'll receive at the end of this age, according to the scriptures and according to promise, we are all at the, at when Yahshua universally appears here at what we call the end of this age, he will outshine the noonday sun in all of his glory. He will have a super incorporeal body, and you're going to, Dr. Kinley said, you're going to be right there with him with the same body that he has. Now, we're not going to look like Dennis, I'm using myself, Dennis with an immortal glorified body, Dennis head with an immortal glorified body. So in other words, it's not like you're going to walk around in the next age and say, hey, 
There's Joe over there. Hey, hey, Tom, you remember me? I'm Dennis from Earth. None of us are going to look anything like we look now, and thank Yashua for that. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want you to know is we will have no remembrance of being in this creation and being a Dennis or a Joe or a Tom or a Sue or a, uh, a Mary, none of that. Now, in the book it talks about in Revelation, the, I think it's the second chapter, where he talks about how he will give us a new name. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I'll give him a new name. Mm -hmm. Now, the name of the whole heavenly host that are gathered in Yahshua, I'm talking about the angels and us here that are being gathered in him will be known by the name of Yahshua. That is our name. Why? It's a family name. Now, I want to use an example of something. The nation of Israel, Yahweh gave Jacob a new name. His name was Jacob, and he changed his name to Israel. But that nation of Israel was the nation that was to go into the land of Canaan and receive an inheritance. Now, when they went into the land of Canaan, the name of the land was Israel. We even call to that this day, we refer to what was once referred to as Palestine in recent history. We now call it Israel because it's named after Israel. <laughs> and here's what we had. When Joshua, in the 24th chapter of Joshua, began after they conquered the land and began to give out parcels, each tribe had a name. There was, uh, you follow, there was Reuben, there was uh, Judah, there was uh, Ephraim, and so on. Every one of them had a place in there, and there was a name for them, but they were called by one name to the world, Israel. And yet they had a place for each one of them in there. Now, if you're born into a large family, the other night in class, uh, Steve Gagnon, who is here tonight, was asked about how many kids he had in his family, and he said, well, growing up, we had 11 kids. Now, they were all called Gag uh, Gagnon is the pronunciation of his name in French, but we often call it Gagnon for the non-French speaking people. <laughs> Anyhow, they were all called by that family name. They're the Gagnons. They're the Gagnons. But there was a oui, oui. name. I'm sorry, Steve? Oui, oui. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Anyhow, there was a Steve, there was a Tom, and whatever the other names of the other uh, uh, nine children were. So what I want you to realize is we are all going in in the name of Yahshua. That's the name of the family. Now, I want to make something clear about that. You don't have an inheritance. Yahshua is the only one that has an inheritance. Get me over there in Romans, the 8th chapter. And I want you to pick up uh, uh, about us being adopted, I think it is. Oh, let me see if I can find it. Romans 8. Let's see here. Children of heirs, the 17th chapter. That's what I'm after. Um, Romans. Oh, go ahead, sir. 
Romans 8, I'll pick it up at 16. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of Yahweh. Right. And if children, then heirs, heirs of Yahweh and joint heirs with the Messiah. Let's stop right there. Now, we're heirs. This is the paradox of this whole thing. I told you you didn't have an inheritance. I don't mean you have an inheritance of yourself because you are owed something by Yahweh. People think they're going to earn their way to heaven in the world. That's why they're out there doing good deeds, thinking that I'm going to, so I can go to heaven. Your only hope of glory is that Yahshua be in you. Why? Because he is the heir of eternal life or immortality and of glory. You didn't do anything to deserve any glory. But Yahshua did. And he said, Father... Glorify me now with the glory that I had with thee before the world was. Now, Yahshua will be shown in all of his glory at the end of this age. And he obviously deserves to be glorified for laying down his life for us and suffering the death of an outcast dog and doing the will of Yahweh unto death and, and, and total obedience and love of the Father. Now, listen, we are joint heirs with him. Now, what I want you to understand is that if you, if your father had a, your grandfather was a, a very, very wealthy man and had acquired an empire, and he leaves it to his only son, which is your, let's say it's your father, the inheritance is given to him. Now he can then give a parcel of that inheritance to each one of his sons or daughters, whatever the case might be as he sees fit according to his own will or purpose. Now, Yahshua has the inheritance, and we're joint heirs, meaning we're getting an inheritance through Yahshua by him clothing us in his own righteousness and calling us sons and giving us his name. Now, when you look at the will, it doesn't say the will and testimony of, you know, let's say your last name is Smith, of the Smiths and whoever else wants to jump in. The, the whole testimony or the will, the last will and testament, is for the Smiths and the Smith only. Mm -hmm. Now, unless you have that name of Yahshua written in your heart and mind, unless that name be engraved in your heart, just like on the breast, on the, excuse me, the plate that went on the priest's forehead when he went in in the most holy place, it said, Holiness unto Yahweh. And Dr. Kinley said, It also said, Holiness unto Yahshua. Now listen, if you look at how that plate was made, it was engraved like a signet. Now a signet, if you've ever seen a signet ring, it has a, uh, uh, a part of it that sticks out that he, you could put it in wax and then put it on an envelope and it'll make the seal or the symbol of that ring that shows it's officially sealed. Now Yahshua, that name, when that priest put that that plate across his forehead. He tied it behind his head with two two ribbons. And when he pulled it tight, that was engraved in there, so on the back side, those words were sticking out. So that when it pressed against his forehead, and when he took it off, that words were really indented and engraved, in a sense, right in his forehead. Dr. Now, Volpe, five minutes. Thank you. And the reason why it's so important is, is because this name of Yahshua has been preached to you about how it's your salvation. And to some people, 
It's not been engraved in their forehead because they yeah. gave it up for another name like Henry. Yeah. Or Dr. Kinley. That's not the name that was engraved on that plate. The name was Yahshua. Now that name has got to be written in your heart and mind. Why? Because that name makes you to be a member of a family, of a congregation of souls. And we're gathered together in Yahshua, and the whole family is called by that one name. And the inheritance is to the name of Yahshua. If that name, if, if it was going to be to Dennis, and I take off the flesh, and I don't even remember being a Dennis, I don't look like a Dennis, what significance would it be to use the name Dennis then? But this is why we all have to be conformed to his image, so that that name, that Yahweh is salvation, is absolutely manifested and reflected in our souls to show that we are a member of a family. And therefore, we are called by one name. Read 15 again, please, in that verse 15 that we just read. In our scripture reading. Uh, Roman. Romans 8.15 or Ephesians? Okay. Romans, 15. I, I, not Romans 8.15, Ephesians 8.15, uh, Ephesians 3.15, uh, uh, excuse me. Read 14 and 15, please. Ephesians 3.14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Now remember in Philippians, Paul wrote, that to the name of Yahshua, every knee is going to bow. Now Paul talks, he, now when Paul heard Stephen preaching the gospel above Yahshua the Messiah, he refused to bow to it. And Yahweh, Yahshua, knocked him down there on the road to Damascus and caught him up in the spirit. And Paul was subdued. He became a prisoner. He would do whatever Yahshua asked him now. And that name was permanently ingrained into his soul. And now he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. He is now bowing to those names. Read. 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And that's what the family is named. It's named Yahshua. That's the new name that it talks about in the book of Revelation, ladies and gentlemen. This is such a really profound mystery that Yahshua is opening up to us of how this purpose works. One of our aims is to understand the operation of his eternal purpose. That means to know how the purpose works. That's the operation of it. And that's what we're learning in class. We're learning how the purpose works so that we're able to explain these things and express these things in a way that it will make sense to you and that you'll say, gee, that was pretty simple. Why didn't I catch that before? Because, and I read my Bible, because unless it's revealed, you're never going to see this on your own. Dr. Kinley said you need divine help to see this and you need divine help not to see it, he said. Why? Because it's so, the mystery is so unbelievable that you would never see it on your own without the Holy Spirit opening it up and revealing it. But yet it's so simple that you would think, how could anybody deny this or miss it? Well, Yahshua has to also, you need divine help not to see it also. And if you have a hard heart and he doesn't give you that new heart, you're never going to believe the truth when it's spoken to you. 
That heart is what has to be changed in all of us to believe in this true gospel. So I hope what I said didn't confuse anybody. I hope it made some sense. All I can tell you is I picked that scripture tonight. I wanted to try to express a few of these things and hope that it, that it made, you know, that somebody got something out of it. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to the moderator, and I want to say peace and love to all the brethren that are watching, that are participating tonight. Stay in this class. You haven't got long, and let me tell you this. It will pay big dividends in the end if you just persevere. With that, peace and Yahshua to all. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Volpe. I'd like to thank everyone who participated in our Zoom class and those who viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 Pacific time. I would like to ask our Zoom participants to please stay muted until the live stream ends. We will now close with a doxology taken from the last two verses of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, be glory majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah.